On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, the hiring of Tony La Russa takes another bad turn. And the Bears play on primetime, but will they bring their A-game? We'll discuss it all on episode 19 now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, your home for your favorite Chicago sports talk. I'm Joey Gelman, the man on the other side of the Skype. He is Dan Collins. You can follow him on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. I am on Twitter at Joey Gelman. The show, Believe in Chicago Sports, is on Twitter at Believe in Chicago, part of the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We are jumping in here to the lovely updates on the Tony LaRussa hiring and scenario with the White Sox. And if you thought it couldn't get any worse, if you've been living under a rock, it did. And Dan's yeah. pun talking about it took a turn from the worst. It's so damn true because this week just brought an entirely new dumpster fire to the White Sox that they, along with their fans, do not deserve. And it just is, again, an indictment of what this whole last month has really been and, and it's and it's jerry reinsdorf stepping in hiring his friend not betting an eye to the issues and here we sit with tony larusa's latest dui coming before he was hired with the white Sox, and they knew about it and still hired him and i'll say this and i know we'll, we'll have a good conversation about it but to kick things oh, off we? oh i think we will <laughs> Be good. I don't know if it'll be fun, but okay. I, I, I trust you. I trust that it'll be good. Go ahead. I'll say this. I was I was pissed off about the Larusa hire from the get go, from a character aspect standpoint, and from a baseball standpoint. A lot of this, people were. Yeah, and, and and this comes out as the second DUI. This one's much closer now to the hiring timing, and I will say I, I I'm not as enraged about it because. People do dumb stuff, and then I know I'm not, I'm not downplaying it. Like it's really dangerous, and it's a horrible mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, but it, it 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 it's more of a feeling I have of just embarrassment, and not even as a White Sox fan. I'm a Cubs fan, but it's just there's this umbrella, and, and, and it was a nice umbrella before, and now it's like an overhanging, scary cloud over this organization. Of what we should be talking about right now is how good this White Sox team is. And instead, mm-hmm. we're talking about another scenario where Jerry Reinsdorf's decision to hire Tony La Russa is inhibiting, excuse me, prohibiting this team from being respected by free agents, being respected around the league. And it just, it's just kind of an embarrassing moment of the White Sox like knew this happened. They still went along with it. They haven't said anything now. It's been over two days, really. Mm-hmm. And and it's just it's, it's just really sad because this is a team you want to root for and excited about, and the only headline now is about the either bad qualifications for their manager, or now a DUI looming over over Tony Larusa. So it's just it's it, it's less maddening and more just kind of sad and embarrassing, at least to me at this point. Hmm. Well, it's definitely embarrassing for the for the last two parts you mentioned there, Joey. One. The key word, qualifications coming into this. And two, what kind of a character was he? And I know that this is the second time now being charged with something like this. And I know there still needs to be a due process. And and who knows? I'm not going to completely take what it is and, and judge his character completely on that or say, oh, he's definitely this type of person. But what's interesting to me is 
you call it an embarrassment, right? And why is it an embarrassment? Because I hate to say it, he's not the right man for the job. Let's just think about it this way. If it wasn't Tony La Russa and the White Sox just went out and they hired manager A and manager A looking at the resume, looking at recent history, looking at character, looking at everything else, looking at the process of who else you interviewed and who else you were thinking about. If the process was perfect and if without a shot of a doubt, you could sell everybody that the person you hired is the man for the job, whether it be Tony La Russa or whether, like I said, it be an imaginary coach, manager A, and something like this happened, what are you going to do? As an organization, you are going to get right out in front of it, especially because you already knew it before the press conference. So you know there's a possibility of this getting out, and you're probably going to have something in the back seat ready to go in case it does become public. But we haven't heard anything yet. And why? Because the embarrassing factor of it is you don't want to talk about it. And I'm just assuming here because you feel he's not the right man for the job, right? Because if he was, that means that you sat down with him in an interview process and you sat down with other candidates. You heard them all out. And Tony La Russa sold you on being the best man to lead this championship window, this young club. This organization where just last season you had the marketing efforts on change the game and there was an emphasis on letting players be who they want to be. If you thought this was the right man for the job without a shot of a doubt today or yesterday or even beforehand, you would have definitely had his back because you trust his character. I like to think that my circle of friends, my people, I like to think that they're all people I could trust and I like to think that. I 100% am confident that they are people I could trust and I could trust their character, right? For example, you, my friend, if you did something goofy and you came to me and you said, wow, you know what? I effed up, but trust me, like I'm going to change. I'm going to change what led me to this point and there's things that need to be worked on. And, you know, you, you gave me the rest of the story. I trust you and I'd believe you and I'd have your back. And if I owned a team or ran a team and I hired you, I'd go right out the next day and say so. Right? Wouldn't you? <laughs> so that's what like is the biggest picture part of this all is what you're telling me by not having Tony LaRusse's back and just coming out and saying anything goes to show because he's not your guy. You don't trust his character that much. And again, this is just me on a soapbox behind a microphone in this podcast with nothing but assumptions, but that's where this all leads me to. Because if you if you trusted his character and he sold you tremendously in the interview process on being a different type of person and being someone who no matter – there's a lot of other candidates out there who I'm sure would have jumped at taking the White Sox managerial job for a lot of reasons. Just look at the roster, right? <laughs> and – you chose him. You could have had a lot of other guys, but you did. And if he really was the man you wanted, which everybody listening to the show right now or all the Sox fans out there, you know he's not the guy Rick wanted. He hasn't publicly came out and said that. But the feeling is and the idea is, well, this is obviously just Jerry's guy bringing his guy in from a mistake, a mistake decades ago when Ken Harrelson as a GM fired him. And 
you, <laughs> there's no way I can think otherwise, right? There, there's no way you could convince me, at least where we stand now, that Tony La Russa is your guy because you don't have his back right now. Right. And you, you know what? Rightfully so. <laughs> Rightfully so. If you were a GM like Rick Hahn put in that position, what would you come out and say? Would you even want to? He's not the guy you wanted. Why are you going to defend it, right? No, exactly. What are you supposed to do? I mean, we, we figured out through this whole process that the audience that Tony Larusa had to interview with this job was only with Jerry Reinsdorf. And it's clear. And Jerry's not going to be a guy right now that is, I don't know, as as socially aware as he maybe should be, whether it's on social media or or, or, or in the in the current climate of things, and he's going back to to his old school ways and trying to right or wrong, like he said. But it's it, it it's clear that the only person that was making this decision or needed to then deal with it was Reinsdorf, and now the issue exactly persists of what you're saying. It's if Matt Nagy did something bad. Well, you know who hired him? Ryan Pace. And Ryan Pace has to stand up there in front of the microphones, in front of the press, and say whatever he feels and defend his guy. And now, if he truly still did believe Matt Nagy at that time, correct, he, goofy, correct, he would. Correct. I like to think but he would. every single person in the White Sox organization was against this hire, besides Jerry Reinsdorf. Like, it's very clear whether it's Rick Hahn or the marketing department or the players. Hell, the entire baseball world was was scratching their heads about this. And so now, it, what, what, are you going to stick Jerry up there on a Zoom call and and, and have him defend his guy? I, I, I don't know what you do. As a White Sox fan or as a baseball fan, you're not going to get what you want out of this, but you have every right to keep hammering them yeah. about, no pun intended, hammering them about about... What the hell is really going on here? Because now people kind of got over the sheer shock of it, I would say, last week. Mm -hmm. People are still upset about it. But then you said, okay, great. The awards are coming out. The Silver Slugger news. The e e Even the fact that Ricky Renteria is a runner-up for manager of the year. There, there's, there's buzz of, okay, this You have a potential MVP of the league. Right, right. The there, there's, there's this the narrative switched back to what's important as the players. And now... It comes full circle again to another faux pas on, on this Larusa garbage, and it's just tanking anything you want to have positive with your organization. I mean, when you're when you're sitting there, and and this is what I'm saying about about Reinsdorf holding the keys to this car and not Rick Hahn is Marcus Stroman, who could have been a nice target for your White Sox. Mm has Don't been lambasting this move since they hired him and then kept doing it again today and yesterday on Twitter. And and you know who sees that? The rest of the league, the rest of the world. Thank you. Yeah. And, 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 and But the guy that hired him doesn't use that. And, and, and so it's really, there, there's this awakening now of people being like, this is really bad. And this is a horrible character example for the team, let alone baseball. And, and, and you have a guy that still hasn't reached out to to Tim Anderson or anyone on the team to talk to them about what's going on, uh, whether it's culturally or just from a baseball perspective. Hey, I'm your new manager. Yeah. Let's let's get along. Or you have David Haw writing articles about how this is Jerry's biggest mistake. And Ken Rosenthal saying, how can the White Sox keep defending Tony La Russa? And you're like, this is... It was on ESPN this morning. Right. Even on, even on their, national, their, tele, their television exactly. shows. Yeah. So this is the complete like PR nightmare crisis. Mm -hmm. And it's just being like, oh, Sleep under the rug. It's fine. It's like it's not okay. It's not okay, and it's and it's sad that the White Sox uh, are are stuck in this position because I know there's good people there that 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 don't 
want to defend this guy. And they're stuck doing so because their boss decided to make one of the worst moves he could have ever made. Sorry. And those people so you're referencing, <laughs> no, you're good. And those people you're referencing work their asses off to get the White Sox to this point, whether it be the front office and baseball ops or marketing or whatever have you. Because not only is this a fun baseball team to watch that Rick Hahn and the front office put together, but everybody else, the marketing of the team was even great, right? I mean, it, it, it all was starting to kick into gear with with this year and finally making the postseason as crazy as, you, as a year as it's been. And I want to hit on something you said. I'll go back to Strowman. And before I do, like you said, it's a PR nightmare. It's a disaster. However, what's the biggest thing that cures those? Wins, right? So, I mean, I think that what's worse is that not that it's a current PR nightmare, and it might keep just stumbling downhill because before you know it, maybe who knows how long it's going to take. It might take months, um, but you're still going to have maybe dash cam footage, audio, just you're going to have more specifics and more things come out about this incident alone, let alone any other comments Tony La Russa might make along the way, whether it be during winter meetings or before spring training. I mean, we haven't even thrown one pitch yet. We Pitchers and catchers, like they haven't even reported. They're not even trained together yet, and this is already getting crazy. But let me not get too off topic. Let's go back to the Stroman incident. It's not just about one quality free agent out there for the most part, putting on social media record that he's not coming to the south side of Chicago. It's more than that. <laughs> it's like you said, you have people like him and Trevor Bauer talking about this, who's a free agent himself. And then who follows Stroman on social media? Maybe a lot of other players around the league. I don't know that. I haven't looked at his following list. But still, do you think other players are turning a blind eye to this? And even if they are, if the White Sox were to approach them on it, they're going to consult their agent like they would just just any. And you think their agents aren't paying attention to what certain teams in the MLB, what what headlines are national headlines, because this is making national news now. And that's not going that's not to say that the White Sox now are derailed in free agency. But this team, I mean, you've had the Yasmanian Devil, Yasmani Grandal. I mean, there, there's been a couple big free agent signings, but. They still are in need of the real, real big one. Like, we still need free agents here. We still, <laughs> in Chicago, you need to piece this championship team together with the right guys, some veterans, some good free agents. You don't want anything possibly, you don't want any potential barricades being put up because of this. And it circles back to the most unfortunate par- part about it, which is not because. Your manager that you hired recently is making headlines for the wrong reasons, but it stems back to even what the headlines were when you hired him, which was, what the hell were you thinking? So it was seen as just a nonsensical type of hire in the first place. Now, anything bad that comes out of it, for whatever reasons, players see that, agents see that, right? And... What if Strowman was a big target of Hans? Who knows if he was? Who knows if he wasn't? Maybe Hans was never going to give him a call. Maybe he was on top of the list. Who knows? But if he was, do you reach out to him? Like, say you were the general manager of the White Sox, and Strowman was somebody who you really wanted to give a few calls to this winter, him and his agent, and you see what he's publicly doing out there. Do you still give him a ring? I like to think you do. But then what's that conversation like? Right. I think <laughs> I good. I, I well, I think, you know, at this point, you have no shot of signing him, but you'd want to understand 
his temperature and the agent's temperature, who I'm sure represents other players in the league, to understand what this move has now done for the reputation of your team. I think that's vitally important. Because now you're having a boiling factor where you're where 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 you have a team here that people don't want to come to because of the manager, because of the coach. And that's the yeah. last thing you want to do when you're trying to compete for a World Series in the window that the Sox are in now. It, it was unnecessary. You never had to deal with this. Sure. <laughs> it go, that's those are the two key words is just unnecessary and embarrassing. Embarrassing because you could tell that this unnecessary move, it wasn't Rick Hahn's vision. It wasn't his guy. Tony La Russa, from the way everything looks, right, we're, we're putting everything, we're, we're painting the canvas here with just the information that we have and what's being told out, out in the media is th- this wasn't the guy who sold you during the interview process. You said, yep, we're done, bring him in. And I know that's, for the most part, common now it's it's not confirmed common knowledge if that makes any sense but it just is and 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 here's where we're at now and uh, I, I it could get better but it can also get worse and, and what way does it get better tony la Russa just says he's sorry and he just doesn't f up and do this again for the remainder of the season and he for the most part does all the right things in terms of right bullpen moves and line of constructions as a manager and doesn't say anything incredibly dumb behind a microphone. Is is that what, is that the best you can hope for? I mean, think about it. What's the most optimistic thing you can have out of this? Just that they win and then you don't have to talk about it. Right. That's it. Right. And that he doesn't say anything goofy. Right. But, but anything goofy. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Like that, that's the best case scenario, but there's, Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say worst case scenario is that it just keeps downfalling because it's just one, one goofy action followed by one goofy quote after another after another. And then no matter what, even if you are winning this year, it's all overshadowed by just what what is Tony Russo going to be doing? He's it's going to be a, a quite a scope on him this whole year. Like the media, everybody's just going to be waiting for him to mess up because as soon as he does, whew, you put it right back on the White Sox. Look what you did. And it's unfortunate because it wasn't them. It was a person who happens to run the show. Yeah, it's 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 sad. And and I think it's it's really interesting because at other points in sports history, Chicago sports history, like it's always mattered how your manager or or player carries themselves, but it didn't carry as much weight as it does now. And and, and I think whether it's with social justice, with politics, whatever it may be, awareness is heightened and character and decency matter a lot more. And I'm not trying to say like the tropes of what we've heard on the news all week, but, but it's, it's true now. And I think people put a lot more stock into that. So where, yes, a Bobby Knight could have gotten away with what he got away with years ago. Like you can't have a coach like that anymore. And it's the same thing now, I think with a baseball manager of it's, it's more of a, negative than a positive to have someone like Tony La Russa with all the baggage he has from a character perspective, uh, a social justice perspective, and now a, 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 a bad, a, a second bad instance where he's been charged with a DUI and is asking the officer, like, do you know who I am? I'm a Hall of Fame baseball player and person and like flashing person, his, person thank you, and like flashing his ring. And it's like, in a moment that we're in right now, that is the epitome of privilege, and and it's just it's just it's just so unaware. And 
And you're seeing all these athletes become empowered in these last few years and, and really take the world by storm on social media or in their activism and really fighting for what's right. And and that's where this flies in the face of that is it's we're, we're in a moment where that kind of backwards thinking isn't welcome anymore. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the positives is being a good athlete or being a good manager or being good at your job don't outweigh that anymore. It's like when you look at the Cubs – and you go, okay, well, I love the Cubs, but let's say I'm not a fan of the politicians they donate to, right? Okay. Yeah. That used to not matter. Nobody cared who an owner donated money to. Now it right. does. And people are following money trails and following up with all these things and understanding what impact their players, their teams, et cetera, have on the rest of society. And that's where, in this grand moment, everyone's noticing that and sees that. And why everything is against hiring Tony La Russa. And it's why you're seeing everyone else who has a has a smart brain right now and is working and is active in this environment yeah. right now sees that and why an 82-year-old owner does not. Right. And you know what I think? Um, I'm not an MLB. I'm not a professional baseball player. But you know what I, what I like to think if I was in that dugout, what I'm thinking as a player? Tony, where are you at? Go say something. Because we're the ones who are going to play this season, and now things are going to – like, think about it. Whenever he, You can't run from this forever. Like, Tony La Russa is going to be behind a microphone. He's going to be interviewed eventually. He's the, he's the manager of the Chicago White Sox. He's going to do an interview sooner or later. And even if it's four months from now, two months from now, one month from now, five months from now, they're going – the reporters are going to address this. So why don't you just get it out the way now? One, as a leader, fess up, you screwed up, you made a dumb mistake, there's still due process to be had, but I'm still going to learn from my actions. Like, you could, you know, you don't have to discuss and break down. Like, if anything, now is the best time because if if they want to ask specifics, oh, you know, there's still things going on and, you know, we're still looking – like, this isn't just a closed case. There's still many things that have to be done. It's, it's not closed and shut. You can even hide behind that, right? Just <laughs> get it, it over like, with. Right, exactly. Not only get it over with, but Jose Abreu – might be crowned the MVP of the American League sooner rather than later. D- don't overshadow it with all that. You go out there, you get it done, you made the mistake, you lead this club, show them your leader, get it out the way so they don't even maybe potentially have to answer your questions, and just move on. Right. But he's not even doing that. But that's why it's so weird. It's because the White Sox haven't done that. Like if you, like Nobody has. Like this is crisis communication nobody. 101. If you get out and – like because this happened before you hired him and you knew this was on his record – you get out in front of it and address it. Yeah. But I think it goes back to what you said. It's we could have done that if we're the White Sox, but none of us want to defend this guy. Yeah. None of us. And that's so he doesn't that's telling to defend himself. He's not even defending himself. Right. Who knows? Maybe somebody's telling him not to. But OK, that's dumb advice. <laughs> it, it, it's silly. I don't know. It's hey, Bears play a game on Monday night and that's where my attention will be. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that what we're going to do now? We're going to talk about the. Crap yes, we are. Ugh. Yikes. Bears Vikings. Yeah. Monday Night Football. Well, as you reminded me of before we started the show, at least where it stands now, they're at home. Monday Night Football. Got a couple game lead on this Vikings team. They're a division rival. And they're the underdog. Slight underdog. Woohoo! They're the underdog. What is this? It's truly, and I'm not as much of a betting person as you are, but it I, I think it's the true reality 
of the ineptitude of this offense. I mean, you would think a Bears team at home against the Vikings that kind of waved the white flag earlier in the year. They've strung two wins together now, but really should never be favored in Chicago. And, and the Bears have shown for three or four weeks now that they can't score. And to and, and, and they've shown it to a level that an odds maker would favor the Vikings on the road. That's that should show you everything where you are as 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 a Bears team. Hey, Dalvin Cook's been balling out, and while the defense did quite a magnificent job against Derrick Henry in the Titans run game, that dude's on a roll. <laughs> Dalvin Cook is on a roll, and if there's one thing this Bears defense is going to try to do, not only on Monday but gosh darn it for the whole rest of the year is get turnover after turnover after turnover because they need to – not even just turnover. They need to score points. And Kirk Cousins, he's not – you know, he, he's known – he's been known to throw the ball or, you know, throw some picks, throw some interceptions, some good old INTs along the way. Um, so that's why you probably, if you're the Vikings, maybe stick to the run a little more, right? So you're probably going to see a heavy dosage of Delvin Cook because if there's one thing that the Vikings know – this Bears team's trying to score points on defense, and you want to limit the mistakes Cousins is known to make because he can. You know, he, he's known to make mistakes. Um, and Delvin Cook has been on a roll, anyways. <laughs> and this Bears team, they don't score a lot of points, like you said. They'll score even less points if you keep the offense on the bench. I mean, you can bring the offense on the field if you want, if you're the Vikings, and you know, give them the ball. They're still not going to score, but. You're only going to up your chances if you control the clock, run it down the Bears' throat, and they're the favorites. And do I see them winning? Potentially, because like you said, what has this Bears offense shown you, right? Right. And there, there's something that I, I want to talk about here on, on the show. And I was thinking that Matt Nagy, right, you don't have to put all the blame on him. You know, if you were if you were just divvying up the the percentages here on, you know, online gets about thirty percent of the fail of the failure percentage. Uh, Matt Nagy in his play calling gets about twenty five percent. However, you want to divvy it up, right? You want to put all on Matt Nagy, but can you imagine? I like playing the whole alternate universe type of situations. That just picture if John Fox was still the head coach. Or in this alternate reality, we have somebody like, um, let's think of a defensive mind. Let's say Vic Vangio was the head coach, right? And you brought Matt Nagy in because Vangio or Fox, they're strictly, they're, they're looking at the defense. That, that's what they're, they're defensive minded head coaches. So let's just say in this reality, you bring Matt Nagy in to fix your offense and he's strictly your offensive coordinator. He's going to fix the offense because the Bears offense is abysmal and he's going to be the one calling the plays. And controlling the offense, a.k.a. Matt Nagy's title in this universe is just Bears offensive coordinator. You would want him out of town so fast, right? You'd want him out of here. And you wouldn't say it's all on the offensive coordinator, Matt Nagy, because in this reality, he is right in this just theoretical situation. But if his title was changed from head coach to just offensive coordinator, you'd want him out of town and you wouldn't put all the blame on him. But you'd say this isn't working. Get a get a new offensive brain in here. And it's just funny that because his title is head coach, even though he's also the team's offensive coordinator, that along with he has a five he's only three years into his five year deal, you're going to give him a little more time, that 
you're not rushing him out of town. And once again, I know it's not all his fault. And I'm not saying he deserves to be driven out of town by any means. But if you were to change his title, you would want him out. And maybe it's because the reality is, and the reality that we live in, he is the head coach. And he's good at a lot of head coaching things, just not calling the plays. But offensive coordinator Matt Nagy, we want him out of town. Head coach Matt Nagy, stick around for a little while. Maybe you could prove yourself. We, we get it. But bring it back to the current current reality once again, maybe that's the reason to switch it up in terms of calling the plays and who's your real OC. Matt Nagy, where we are today, let's face it, he's the OC. He is. He's the head coach and the OC. Give up the play calling. Let's just see. Let, let's see what happens if you're just the head coach and you let somebody else call the shots there. Right? Did you like the little split reality I did there? I, I did. did or not, but I did. But what's he going to do during the game if he doesn't call plays? Like, I don't. Just be the head coach. I guess. <laughs> the head coach. Just, just, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but you could still have input. Oh, of course. On, on the offense. He, he could veto. You know, there's yeah. still things that he could just keep a closer eye on the offense. Let's say first half beers, right? He could just key in and take more critical notes and not have to worry about, I'm calling the next play. I'm calling the next player. I got to focus. Like, he could just have a little bit more patience with it. Not necessarily patience, but he could take a, it's just a little bit more perspective maybe he has on the sideline, bring that into halftime, and you don't have the notorious goose egg third quarter that you have sometimes. And I'm not saying this is exactly what's going to happen if he stops calling the plays out there, but who knows? Maybe then you could just focus on other things, focus on bigger picture things out there, even big picture in-game situations. Maybe you could just, just dissect a previous series a lot better than if you're just worried about, all right, calling the next series, calling calling the next set. Like, who knows? Maybe it'll benefit the Bears because, like I said, it can't get any worse, right? No, it can't. And I, it's an interesting concept because I think no matter what, Matt Nagy's going to try to call this offense like it's supposed to be even if he doesn't have the players to do it and that's at the end of the day the the biggest problem will, it, will another guy will a bill laser really, though, are we still on that he really hasn't learned we're already halfway more than halfway of the year and they're getting worse yeah because i and, and and i think the only thing saving him right now i mean i'm not calling for his firing but i mean the only saving grace for him no. now i think with this team is he was the coach in 2018 and he took over for John Fox and immediately took them to the playoffs. And that's a big that's a big deal. But but yeah. I think but I think what you're he seeing He also hasn't had his own quarterback yet. Right. Well, Nick Foles of whatever eh, you want to call debatable. That. Right, exactly. So um, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point because I, I don't I don't I don't know if that if that makes it a huge difference because nothing's working and you can't do anything without a offensive line. Oh no, I mean and that's why you're right. The the offense First, just look at the numbers. Look at the play. They have there has been a regression in last the last game against the Titans. Most definitely part of that regression. But that game to me has like an asterisk on it, just because like it was a makeshift O line due to COVID, you know, nineteen protocols. Like they didn't even have as much practice time as a makeshift line would. It's just so hard for me like to not have some kind of little asterisk there in terms of like how they've been on that type of regression because it is what it is. Like if, if all their starters were in there and they still play that type of game, it'd be a hell of a lot, even worse of a perspective that you would have. Cause that's like, that is massive regression, but you know, hopefully you get more of the starters in there on Monday night football during prime time. And you, and you see, 
you see what happens and I, I don't know. I mean, like, like the, the bears just haven't given you much reason to be optimistic that come Monday night, even if they have a couple more starters out there on the O line, that that's automatically going to make them seven, 10, 14 points better. <laughs> like there's, there's just no reason to, to think that. Um, and the reality is if the O line's going to continue to struggle like that, and Nick Foles can only do so much game game after game. We say it all the time. Well, craft craft it to the offense that you have. You know, whatever the game plan is, meet, do it by what whatever you have on offense and craft it around that. Well, you have a crap O line most of the time. Nick Foles is Nick Foles. David Montgomery's can't run anywhere. Like he he goes what one or two yards, and then there's contact. What kind of game plan is that that you're drawing up? And this is actually giving not credit to Matt Nagy, but giving him a little bit of leash because what the hell can you do? <laughs> and it's it's an interesting situation. And Bears are, Bears are going into Monday Night Football as the underdogs, probably rightfully so. Joey's putting all his money on the Vikings, always. <laughs> but that's just what's so frustrating about it is because like the Vikings were. I know they've won two in a row, but they were they were one and five. They traded in Gakwe, and they were they they were a team that was really becoming sellers. Like like they they kind of waved the white flag very early in this year. Yeah. But even so, you have Dalvin Cook racking up over two hundred yards last week, one sixty three the week before, four touchdowns, and and you sit here and you go, the Bears have even had a game over the century mark, and I can't even remember how long. Like, I looked at the total yardage. The Bears have 741 total rushing yards in the entire season. Yeah. The Vikings have 1,283. Perfect. And it's like, that just tells everything. And I know there's injuries. I know there's COVID protocol. But it's what we've talked about all, all the time. Even the bad teams find a way to score. Or even the bad teams find a yep. way to run the football. And this is clearly mm. another example of that where the Vikings probably don't have a shot at the playoffs. Hell, like, who knows what the Bears do if they keep losing? But right. but it, it's this idea of this team's not supposed to go anywhere if you're the Vikings, yet they still find a way to score, they find a way to be competitive, and they find a way to actually have an offense that that works, and the Bears can't do that to save their life. Well, it's, it's funny you mention that, though, because the Vikings, are they going to make the playoffs? Well, probably not. Are the Bears? Well, you lose to the Vikings this Monday and it looks a little less, you know, it looks a little less favorable for you, but that's just the thing is the Vikings got off to a rough start. Then Dalvin cook decided he wanted to throw his name in the MVP race and the bears decided they want to suck. And I'm Minnesota sees that heading into Monday. Hey, we have somebody who's top three, top five in the MVP race right now, a little over halfway during the season. And the bears aren't that great. They're not that good. So now you give them even more reason to really come right. at you. And I'm not saying they weren't going to play their best on Monday night anyways, but now you give them a, something more to fight for. They can fight for second place now. Well, right. Because you, if, it, they, if they beat you this week and maybe beat you a second time, maybe they could be second place in the NFC. Right. You're sitting at 5-1. and one. They're 1-5. One and five. You go, okay, check the Vikings game off as a win. Nope. Now it's, it, it's, <laughs> yep. it's a huge question mark. How huge. quickly the tables turn. Tables done turned. They them done turned. Tables. Been unturned, but that's where we're at. So I guess um, I don't know. We, we could get into predictions now if you want. Even though I feel I know where you're at with this, I'm gonna say because they're at home. I know they're underdog. I'm gonna do a 17-14 win for the Bears. 17-14. They have win. to win. They have to win this game. Is that your reasoning? 
17-14. Joey Gelman, pick, Bears, 17-14, because they have to win. Yes. It, it, I mean, they, oh, come they, on. It, 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 <laughs> Why will they win? I'm not going to let you off the hook. I know, I know you're saying they're going to win because, well, they just have to, but how will they get it done then? If the Bears really do win 17 to 14, is the defense scoring one yes. of the touchdowns? Yes, the defense has to score a touchdown on Monday to win. Because we saw that last week. If Kyle Fuller picks that off and runs to the house, it's over. They have to score on defense to win. Because I can, I can hope and pray the Bears can score 10 points offensively and then get a touchdown from from their defense. They very well may not, but but they, they I, I know it's early. Well, it's not that early in the season, but it's still at a point where you can make or break your year. This is one of those almost must-win games because then you start going down the list of the, you could play the Packers, then you play, you know, I, I know there's not that great of teams on the schedule, whether it's Jacksonville or Houston or what have you, but if you're losing to Minnesota, that means you can also lose to any of the teams on the rest of your schedule. Oh, sure. And I just like how, in your prediction, which is fine, you're entitled to your own opinion, Joey, and you have the Bears winning, but only scoring one offensive touchdown, because the defense is going to score the other one. How can I expect more? <laughs> I know it's sad, but how? I, I, I don't know how. I know. It, it's just weird that you said it's 17-14. Defense is going to put up one of those touchdowns. Obviously, the other three, just by courtesy of the way math works, is a field goal. That gives the Bears one offensive touchdown in the win. Doesn't sound like a great recipe. It sounds like hope more than a plan. That's what it sounds like. That's where we're at. You said we were hoping last week. I'm hoping again this week. That's all <laughs> yeah, I got. That's fine. Um, I think Delvin Cook definitely breaks the century mark in rushing. I could be wrong. Who knows? But Bears used to have a really good run stopper, Nick, Nick Wachowski, over there, you know, roaming, roaming the linebacker position. He's not there this year, so that doesn't help us too much more in the run game. You also miss a guy like your, your boy, Eddie Goldman, who you've been missing all year, too. So, you know, they're, they're down those guys this year. And Robert and Quinn's absence is not helping as a on the edge. Yeah. I mean, what was the stat? He hasn't had a sack since week two. And all the money you paid for him, and you have no money on the offensive line, and that's what you're getting out of it? Great. Yikes. Yeah, well, there's that, and uh, I'll be the pessimistic one in this show, um, or I guess I'll be the one who loses the hope this week, and I'm I'm going to go with what I think is more of a plan than hope, and I think the Vikings come out and just prove to the Bears that it's going really bad for you guys, (laughs) because if the Bears lose this week, on Monday Night Football, everybody tuning in, all the fantasy football fans, the gambling fans, I'm a little bit of both, the Bears fans, everybody's going to be tuning in, right? And if you lose to the Vikings and if the offense has the type of performance that they do, these shows, these Bears-centric uh, shows, they might not be too much fun. I, no. I always love hanging, hanging out with you on oh, the Of course I do, too. Doing these shows. The, that part will be fun, but the content. Because right. what do you so, – it, it's, it's like – it's one thing if you lose in an NFL season. Like you could yeah. finish 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, but you, you, you string together two wins, you lose one. Then you lose two and then string it. Yeah. You, you will have now lost four in a row if you lose on Monday. That's a really yeah. big deal. And that puts into question everything of how you keep a locker room together and all that. Like that's a yeah. that's a really big problem. And I know going to a bye helps, I guess, but it, it that that would be Four really row, really bad. That's one fourth of your season just there right. losing streak. Right, it'd be I, really I really bad. Oh, very good. So so then, what's our Brian Greasy nugget on Monday? Then this time, what are we going to learn? 
<laughs> well, um, <laughs> I th- it'll probably be some kind of I could see it being some type of O line nugget. To be honest, you know, maybe something they heard from Foles or one of the other receivers or something to where the O line just I don't know who knows just. Not giving them not giving them enough time. Well, no brainer. That's been the nugget kind of. But yeah, I don't know. I could see it being some type of dial in on this O line because it's a real problem, makeshift or not. You know, it, it, it's a real problem. So I can see that being the nugget. And um, yeah, do you have something different? Do you think there'll be a different little nugget thrown out there? Maybe a coaching nugget? Oh yeah, I hope it's super juicy. Like he totally messes up an off the record <laughs> comment, and it's like they hate Nick Foles or. Allen Robinson doesn't want to be here. That's why he's not keeping his extension. Like something fun. Yeah, that's where we're, that's where we're at with the with Chicago Bears football. We're hoping just for juicy negative nuggets and, and nothing. I, I get it. I, I totally get where you're at. That's where we're at. That's where the Chicago Bears are at <laughs> as a football team here as they go up against the Vikings in Monday Night Football. And uh, programming note: I guess we're doing the show Monday night, just like we did last time when there was a night game. So we'll do that. We'll yeah, bring let's it to the it. listeners. Okay, so Tuesday morning you'll catch the show. Our reaction to yes, let's do probably that. the Bears' loss. I guess on that note, as we wrap up, I'll, I'll give my prediction as well because I won't let Joey be the only one who who does it. I'll, I'll put myself on the spotlight as well. I'll say Vikings twenty four, Bears ten. Vikings 24. All right. Bears so, again, we're each giving them – well, I don't know if you're touchdowns offensive or not, but at least it's we're giving them offensive one. offensive touchdown. Yeah, we're both giving the – yeah, I'll, I'll give it to the offense. So, I'm, we'll, we're both predicting that it's the Bears score – It's not a Mingo uh, rushing touchdown? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I, I don't even think we see another – who knows? Who the hell knows what we're going to see? But there you have it. We'll wrap it up with Joey and Dan predicting uh, one offensive touchdown for the Chicago Bears and – for Joey Gelman, who you can find on Twitter at Joey Gelman. Don't forget, give it a nice little follow. Myself at Tweet Dan Collins. The show, as Joey said in the in the beginning, at Believe in Chicago. We'll catch you next time. Tuesday morning is when you'll hear the next show on Apple Stitcher or hell, wherever the heck it is you uh, listen to your podcast. We'll react to the Bears game. Catch you then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.